Hello, and welcome to Glory Be, interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Mike Malcolm. Our guest today is Mr. David Dean, Superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma. He grew up in Carthage, Missouri, and at age 10 moved to Hutchinson, Kansas. David was raised Presbyterian and converted to the Catholic Church when he was a senior in college at the University of Kansas. He holds a B.A. in English and Education and a minor in Classics from KU and an M.A. in Classics also from the University of Kansas. David has been a middle school teacher, a high school teacher, a professor at KU, and a principal-slash-headmaster-slash-president of different schools for the past 39 years. He and his wife, Lori, have four children and seven grandchildren. Welcome, Welcome to David. the podcast. Yeah, we're so excited you're great. here. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. As I was uh, thinking about our interview with you, I realized as I was writing this up that you joined the diocese three years ago. Yes. And then mm-hmm. the pandemic hit. How was it as a... First of all, like, what does a superintendent do, but what does a superintendent do during a pandemic? Well, that's a great question because I've often joked with people here that I've yet to have a normal year in three years. And so obviously I come in as superintendent. I'm new to the job and to the area and everything. And so I'm, of course, very excited to get started and do what superintendents normally do. And then in uh, March, in fact, it was right on St. Patrick's Day, I think, uh, 17th, uh, that, that we sent everybody home. Yeah. And so I'd never done that before in, in any role as a teacher or, you know, administrative position at all. So, um, you know, we made the adjustments. And, and the great thing about being here in Tulsa is that the um, principals and everybody in the schools were were so helpful. And they jumped in. And, you know, we were all a little nervous, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, when that first broke, we a lot of anxiety out there. But we all jumped in. And, and they did a great job of working on distance learning and you know, with no preparation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just landed, right? And and so we, we, we jumped in and did the best we could. And so it's it's been an adventure, um, but we're ready for the adventure to be over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of COVID, and I think all of us are ready, uh, you know, the faculty and the schools and right. staff and certainly the principals and myself, we're, we're ready to, to get back to that, that normal right. that we used to enjoy and, and really do... Uh, more things and more focus on uh, you know educational issues and and new things to do. Well, classroom. being able to dream the bigger picture. Yes. You know what is Catholic education exactly. as opposed to how do we fight germs or exactly whatever. exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it's been an interesting time and mm-hmm. and but again, I, I feel very blessed to be here. Uh, Bishop Connerla, for example, has been a hundred percent supportive of yeah. of all these decisions and changes we've had to make because of covid and and just coming around now and then and saying something to the principals like i pray for you every day i appreciate your hard work and and so we're, we're again we're just very blessed to have a a great bishop and uh, a supportive group of you know throughout all the schools and, and the pastors as well mm-hmm. so in the diocese of tulsa where we are there's um two catholic high schools Correct. That are that are under the umbrella of the superintendent's office. Well, not exactly. Uh, not exactly. Yes, there there are a couple of high schools, yes. yeah. um, but three of the schools, what you know, what we call private, mm-hmm. 
And so I don't have any direct jurisdiction over those three. So, uh, of course, that's Monte Casino, Cache Hall, and then San Miguel. Oh, okay. Um, Bishop Kelly is kind of in a middle position. Mm-hmm. I, I am on the board, but they're no longer technically a diocesan high school. Okay. So my input is really through the board, yeah. not as superintendent. Mm-hmm. And then we have the nine uh, elementary schools, which so I have more direct yeah. control over those nine. Uh, I'm also excited to announce that the uh, you know, Holy Family Classical School is opening a ninth grade mm-hmm. um, this coming August. It may even have a few 10th grade students. We don't know yet. Depends on enrollment. But uh, So we're excited about that. Mm-hmm. So that, that actually will be a, a third high school. That's a great follow-up mm-hmm. to uh, Dr. Brown, who uh, was a guest here about two months ago mm-hmm. or oh, so, okay. maybe a yes. little longer. And he was hoping to open that. So yes. it's great to hear at the end of the story that, yes. that ninth grade mm-hmm. is a reality. Yeah, he's done a great job over there. And, and it's um, school's growing, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of interest in it. Um, I, I don't think it'll ever be... Like Bishop Kelly or Cash Hall, you know, the size and with all the different sort of options, if you will, and programs. But I do think it will serve a real you know, niche group in our yeah. community, and there's a lot, a lot of desire for yeah. it. Well, and I love that Tulsa, for such a relatively small city, there's a lot of choice for Catholic parents where they might want to there, send their there, kids to school. There is. Yeah. There is. They'll find the one that fits them. Yes, that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, and on that, with all those middle schools, those nine, or excuse me, nine elementary schools, how is how does that work? The Diocese of Tulsa is such a huge uh, geographic area. And then there's also cultural differences between some schools that have different ethnic uh, populations mm-hmm. that it serves. How does that work? How hard is that to, to pull those schools together to common Catholic principles? Well, they are, they're all very different, and yet... Again, I'm I'm just blessed to having yep. you know great principals and, and pastors at those respective parishes. So, as you probably know, we have a, a school in Muskogee, mm-hmm. St. Joseph's, and then uh, we have St. John up in Bartlesville. Uh, the other schools uh, are in the Tulsa area. Technically, All Saints is in Broken Arrow, but the rest are officially in Tulsa yeah. if you go by boundaries. Yeah. And so, yes, each of them are, are very different mm-hmm. uh, schools, and I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, they oftentimes represent their own community, and and so, you know, Marquette will not be uh, the same community maybe as, as St. Peter and Paul or, or St. Joseph's won't be the same as St. John and Bartlesville, and, and on and on we, with each and every school. They're they're different, and they're unique, and I think that's good. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they all have their they have their own kind of good good things, and you know that that really make them special. And then they all have their challenges. They're unique to their particular situation. And so that to me, that's, I like the dynamic sort of nature of that, that, okay, I'm going to this school today and this is what we need to talk about, right? This is what's working or maybe this is what we need to improve or, or whatever. And, or this is our challenge at this school. And uh, so that, that really makes it uh, much more interesting, uh, I think, for me. And, I, and, it, and again, to your point earlier, Mike, that it, it gives people here in Tulsa a choice. Because yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we do have a lot of what I call, like to call cross-pollination. Yeah. You, know, you, you might have a few families here at St. Mary's that they, as good as the school is here, and much as they love the parish, they send their child to another school, mm-hmm. you know, another parish. And that, yeah. that's fine. I mean, yeah. that, that happens yeah, it at happens every, every school. school. Yeah. Every school. Yeah. Every one. We have this sort of back and yep. forth, right? What What is your role? Like, what does a superintendent do 
kind of on a daily basis? Are you involved in curriculum? Are you involved in, tell me. I oh, don't know. lots of things. <laughs> no, I'm sure. <laughs> so curriculum is, is certainly one of them. We help organize, each year we, we adopt new textbooks uh, based on a different discipline. So, you know, for this year, it, it, if it's science, which, which it is, um, we collect all these textbooks up at the chancery from different publishers, and we have the principals and or their teachers, or if they have a curriculum person, mm-hmm. it depends on the size of the school, yeah. uh, they can come in and, and whenever they want, we just set them up there in a big room, and they come and look at them, and we get a lot of feedback on, on what they like or don't like about those respective books. So that's a big part of it. Uh, with COVID, for example, you know, we drew up the policy so that all the schools would have the same policy. Uh, and, and the principals asked for that because there's continuity. So they, a, not that any of our parents would do this for all our parents out there, but just in case there yeah. would be one, um, you know, that if this school A has this policy and school B has that policy, right. you know, sometimes you get that back and forth. Well, this school's doing that. So why aren't you doing this? And, mm-hmm. And so I said, look, let's just simplify all this. We'll come out with a diocesan policy. I'll be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. Yeah. And I think it really worked pretty well. I received a few phone calls and emails just <laughs> questioning the policy a little bit. Yeah. Too strict or not too, you know, right. not strict enough. Yep. Um, and so that, uh, <clears throat> we do a lot of that. We set a lot of policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I dive into the handbook mm-hmm. quite a bit, and I recommend changes. And I try to do that with principals on a committee or sometimes faculty members. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, we want to talk about uh, we, uh, bullying or something. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. you know, how does that reflect it in the handbook? What is our policy? Mm-hmm. And, as you know, that's sort of a changing dynamic in our culture mm-hmm. right now. What, mm-hmm. what exactly defines bullying? Right. And so we have a, a group come in, and I usually have several volunteer, and, and we'll talk about it. And then we draft a policy and... And then eventually it finds its way into the handbook. So I, I like to get their input, obviously, on, on those types of issues. And then oftentimes uh, my favorite part of my job is to go out and visit the schools, mm-hmm. which has been a little frustrating lately because yeah. I haven't done it as much right. because of COVID, trying to respect the people in the schools and, and being careful myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so respecting all parties here. I haven't been out as much, but it really is my favorite thing. I. Yeah. I, I was that way even as a principal and a teacher back in the day. It was, mm-hmm. I got really frustrated and wondered, yeah. what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, why me, Lord, kind of mentality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm just going to go sit in the classroom and, and observe or, yeah. or you just even go out in the hallway and talk to the students. And, and so on the, on the flip side of that, to your question, it's probably the thing I miss the most yeah. about being a superintendent. Yeah. I'm not actually in a school. Mm-hmm. And so that's been very different for me because I think, as you said, I've I've been a principal, headmaster, teacher for over thirty years, and um, it, it's a long time, you know, to be in an environment which I love. And so now to be just a step removed, yeah. and then of course made more difficult by COVID. But I'm uh, starting to get out more and, and visit. So that's really uh, my joy is to yeah. um, be, you know, be around with the students and see right. what's going on. Well, that has to be satisfying. It is. And it really is. On behalf of everybody who's had a, a child in any school, thank you oh, for doing yes, that yes. because this yeah. has been a, a yeah. tough couple of years. Well, so thank you. Not yeah, a lot of well done. I mean, I really, we have kids and one at Bishop Kelly and 
you all have done an excellent job. As you were talking, uh, and I want to make sure we talk about this, you know, that your love for students and, and that reminds you why you're doing what you're mm-hmm. doing. But then I thought, well, how uh, in your bio, you know, you you went to KU and you have this degree in classics mm-hmm. and you didn't even grow up Catholic. You grew up Presbyterian. How did you end up Catholic and working in Catholic school? Uh, tell us and yeah. talk about that KU Humanities. I mean, one of our bishops, uh, Archbishop Coakley, went through that yeah. program. My, bro- my brother-in-law went mm-hmm. through that program. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your upbringing and life? Yes. Yeah, so, I, as you noted, I was raised Presbyterian, and my family was very devout, very devout Presbyterians. We went every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And my father sang in the choir. He had a beautiful voice. So I grew up listening to beautiful music, you know, these great, and and particularly the older hymns, like, you know, Bach or or someone, uh, and, you know, Mozart-type hymns and music. And I I really enjoyed it. I I really did. I mean, there were times, of course, that you don't want to get up to church Sunday morning, you know. But but for overall, I enjoyed it. So I had this really wonderful upbringing, and so it was time for me to go to to college. I I went up to KU, and it was kind of interesting. They had this orientation day up there, which was actually kind of dreadful. Um, (laughs) They they paraded all these people in, um, you know, talking about dormitories and student health and, I don't know, the student union, and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. And I, I went with a friend of mine. It was a, a young lady who was our neighbor, and she was going to KU too. And so we drove up together. And by the end of the day, I said, "Let's go." This, yeah. you know, this is very boring. And she goes, "Well, now we're here. Yeah, we're staying." So guess what? One of the professors from that program was the last speaker of the day. Yeah, which I probably would have missed right. had not been for my friend. And so I heard him speak. His professor Quinn. He was the head of the program, and. I, then I want to go talk to him afterwards. I was yeah. so excited about it because I did read a lot in high school. My my parents were, you know, very, it was very important to them that I read, and, and so and I took extra courses in high school, mm-hmm. and so I just loved what this man said. I said, "No, I'm going to go talk to him." Now my friend was ready to go home. Yeah. Right? Said, oh, this guy was getting out here. Yeah. So anyway, I was going to talk to him, and you had to be uh, you had to go through kind of interview process at time. So I got into the program, was accepted, and all that. And it's a two-year program, as you probably know. And so at the end of the second year, I went to one of the professors, Dr. Senior, who was also the Latin teacher, and I was taking Latin from him in addition to the program. So I went in his office one day, and I said, Dr. Senior, there is something you are not telling us. What is it? He looked at me and goes, well, I can't. I said, what do you mean you can't? This is a university. You have academic freedom. You can tell me anything. Yeah. And he kind of shrugged a little bit, and he goes, well, all three of us are Catholic. But we can't talk about it, yeah, in the classroom. Yeah. And I think that's one of the one of the things that's put out against that program is that mm-hmm. the, these three men were proselytizing, and nothing can be farther from the truth. Right. They never talked about the church. I mean, they couldn't. And, mm-hmm. and besides, how do you work uh, the Catholic Church into Homer's Iliad? Right? Right. I mean, it's it was written. It's a stretch, somewhat before the church. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Homer, you know, at least <laughs> at least five hundred years, right? Yeah. So, um, and of course, the oral tradition goes back yeah. even farther. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of a stretch, but. Anyway, so he said, well, um, yeah, there, there are a number of students who have expressed interest like you. And so I began this process of um, going to the church, you know, and I had to go meet with a local uh, priest there in Lawrence, Kansas. And so I did. And and I decided then it was Christmas, right before Christmas, my senior year, I entered the church. But before I did, out of, you know, back to my parents, 
course, I went home and told them. And so my father uh, was not really happy about it because he was a very devout Presbyterian. And he said, would you go talk to our pastor first? And of course I did. And we had a nice long talk one Saturday morning and, and uh, you know, he, he was pretty pretty good about it. That's mm-hmm. what makes you happy, right. you know, and that sort of thing. So I went back, told my dad. I think he was a little disappointed. He was hoping the pastor would talk me out of it. Right. But, <laughs> um, so he didn't. But the, uh, so I entered the church, and I finished my uh, college degree about a year or so later because I went on and got a, you know, additional, additional work in education courses. And, and uh, so my first teaching job was back in Hutchison where I grew up. And at a little uh, Catholic uh, high school there, Trinity High School, taught English and Latin. Yeah, and of course I was single. And the the Catholic schools, at least in those days, were very good about um, making sure a young single teacher has plenty to do. Uh-huh. So I taught, I think, five or six courses and coached every season. Oh gosh. So I had no time to get any trouble. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, but no, I really enjoyed it. And then uh, so two. I did that for two years, and then uh, Dr. Senior actually called me, a Latin mm-hmm. professor in the program, and said, would you like to come and teach and study Latin underneath me? Wow. I said, of course I would. So I went back uh, to KU, worked on, so I worked on my master's in classics, okay. and did that for four years. And actually, it started a doctorate, but then he began to have health problems, had to retire. And uh, it was just a great experience for me. Then that's where I met Lori, my right. wife, because yeah. she was a student in the program at the time. Yeah. And so we, we got married, and then um, I, I started teaching. I only got out once uh, just because of pay. We Our family was growing, and I became an actuarial consultant, um, which was interesting. Um, I actually enjoyed it. And we ended up setting, it was in Wichita, Kansas, ended up setting up the plan for the whole diocese of Wichita, Kansas. Qualified retirement plan, 403B plan, yeah. which immediately brought me back into Catholic education, albeit from the outside. Mm-hmm. And the superintendent there kept saying, David, we need to get you back in Catholic education. You shouldn't be able yeah. to work for that, you know, consulting firm. <laughs> and I didn't end up going back there, but I think providentially to kind of bring all this uh, up more to today is that a friend of mine who's an attorney out in New Mexico um, called me one night, and uh, they had an opening in the Catholic school out there. And it was out in Gallup, which is a missionary diocese, you know, very heavy uh, – Native American presence and right. Navajo, Indian, and Hopi, and Zuni, particularly. And so um, I, I couldn't even find this place on a map. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in Wichita, which is my wife is from there, and I grew up close to there in Hutchison. And where is Gallup? So anyway, we ended up going, and that kind of started my path in uh, more of the administrative role, you know, like a principal or headmaster. And Moved around a few different places, um, you know, locales and so forth, and kept doing that. But yes, that, that's, that's how I got started, and I, I've just always loved it. And I, I think it's a couple of different things. I I give a lot of credit to my own family. Um, you know, being raised a Presbyterian, it, it was a good experience for me. It was it was a good foundation, and I had actually considered before I converted to the church of maybe being a pastor. You know, and a, yeah. In a Presbyterian yeah. church, I mean, I really thought about that, and uh, so the dynamics changed a little bit when you come Catholic, right? right? It's a little different situation, but I think that background, wanting to be in a Christian environment, mm-hmm. 
And then I had this wonderful exposure to these great teachers at you yeah. know, the University of Kansas. So then the teaching part of it came in, and it's like, okay, so where can I teach? You know, in a Christian, of course, by the time then Catholic environment. And then I just happened to get my first job. Um, you know, like I said, at that Catholic yeah. high school, and it's it's you know God's been very good to me. And very again, I've been very blessed that opportunities have come up. And so obviously, I did that for a number of years. And we were actually out in. Um, Phoenix when I heard about the job here in Tulsa yeah, yeah. and I was at a, a charter school out there and that was one of the only other time I'd really gotten kind of out of Catholic education yeah. and uh, again I just happened to see it advertised and I heard about it from a friend as well and I I thought well gosh that's a that's sort of a unique you know position yeah. that I just have never done and, and I've, I've always loved like I said earlier being in the school yeah well, gosh, maybe maybe God's calling me yeah. to this, right? And so, of course, obviously pray about it a lot and obviously applied and it, it worked out. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's just been, it's really been great. I, I really feel like despite my own faults and, and you know, my own stupid mistakes sometimes that um, God has always been very providential with me and in, in sort of leading me to, you know, to places like here and, of course, some others before before Tulsa that, um, have really been good. And, and well, and it seems like through your life you've made these wonderful, providential, deliberate choices mm-hmm. to move forward in what um, has to benefit your faith life. So, growing up Presbyterian, mm-hmm. you have you Catholics pray differently than Presbyterians. Mm-hmm. What what are some of the changes uh, that you might share on uh, how yeah. you pray? Yeah, as I said before, I grew up. Um, of course, we had beautiful music yeah. as part of the service, mm-hmm. and then. They had a, they have a very dynamic uh, kind of Sunday school program, yeah. you know, for for kids and young people, and so we go to those and we immerse ourselves a lot in scripture and and that was all very good, of course. And but you know, you get to high, about that high school age and you kind of you don't want to go anymore, you know, and, and all those sort of yeah. things. But and I had a little bit of that in me, and yeah. and so then I went to KU, of course, and I got into this program, and I I actually did. I I went to a, a Presbyterian church there. For a little bit, but I'm old enough that we were kind of coming off the 60s, you know, the the, the mid, right. early mid 70s. Yeah. And the pastor there was—I'm sure he was a good man, but he was—he looked a lot like a some old hippie. Yeah. <laughs> and the the campus was full of that. A lot of people don't realize about it. Ku, it was it was called the Berkeley of the Midwest. Oh wow! In, in those days, they actually burned down the. Or tried to burn down the student union in '69. Oh I think gosh! It was. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, and the student was shot. Uh, oh. It was overshadowed by Kent State. You yeah, because with, with, that was the worst situation. But anyway, right. so there were a lot of kind of old hippies around at the uh-huh. time, and I thought, gosh, I at reset point in my life, I didn't want that when I went to church. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know that age is natural for any young person to search a little bit. And so I, I went to virtually every church in Lawrence except the Catholic one, <laughs> uh-huh. and and yeah. it was actually a room of roommate of mine at the time yeah. who said, "Why don't you come to the Catholic church?" I'm like, "Oh, come on, yeah. you know, sorry y'all out there, but you're weird, you know." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's what I thought at the time, right? <laughs> Not now, but uh, it was just you know all this and the up uh-huh. and down and the smoke, mm-hmm. you know, the, sure. what I just not even knowing it was incense yeah. at that point in my life and. And he was persistent, and so I finally went, and I liked it. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, you know, this bizarre thing that yeah. I had conjured up in my head. And so eventually I went back, but I, I kept going to other, you know, sort of other churches. And 
Um, now, my friend, just so you happen to know, is is a monk at Clear Creek Monastery oh, nice. right now, the one that first prompted me yeah. to, to do this. And then I began that more sort of kind of intellectual investigation mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and, and a lot of things begin to, to come together again. I think, I think providentially, one time, um, so back to the connection between the Presbyterian music and Catholic music, I yeah. walked into uh, there in Lawrence, a church, and they were doing Vespers in the evening, and it was ch- chanted. And I walked in, and I was stunned. Yeah. So again, it was, I think it was a big moment, my conversion to the Catholic Church, but I didn't know it, right? Mm-hmm. This was God sort of working right. in me. And so here again, it, the, the power of beautiful music, both from the Protestant tradition and the Catholic tradition, you know, earlier in my life and then later in my life had this profound impact on where I am today. You know, I love that. I have never, I love music too, Mm -hmm. and it draws my heart and praying, but chant, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and I love chant, Mm -hmm. but to hear that that is what sort of touched your soul or heart (laughs) when you walked into Mm -hmm. a Catholic church in a way of praying and, and uh, anyway, that's something new for our listeners. Yeah. That, well, and, and Bishop Robert Barron talks about that a lot, mm-hmm. beauty, as yes. kind of the, the first step on the way into the Catholic Church, to see that it's such a sensory experience going to Mass. It is. There's mm-hmm. smells, there's mm-hmm. sights, there's mm-hmm. sounds, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, we right. we feel our, our knees on wooden kneelers, if that's a yes. sensation. Yeah, very but it's similar all, to Thomas Merton, yeah. who was mm-hmm. drawn by the beauty of the churches mm-hmm. that he walked in, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's the beautiful side. Yes. Has there ever been a time in your life where it was difficult to pray? There have been times, honestly. Um, there, there sure are. And I think it's it's oftentimes becoming too busy. Uh, one of my favorite books is The Soul of the Apostolate yeah. by Dom Chothard. And he, he brings this out. I think it was actually a series of retreats he gave to one of the popes, you know, mm-hmm. back, I don't know, roughly 100 years ago. And it he mentions this all the time. When we lose sight of our prayer life or stop praying altogether uh, because we can do more if we don't pray, he mm-hmm. says it's just the opposite. Right. We end up doing less or not as well in, in our multiple projects that we have going on when we don't take the time to pray. And I think that I'm that person a little bit. I, I, it's hard for me to say no, especially in this kind of work, because I love what I do, and yeah. I, and I want to help people. Mm-hmm. And so someone will come to me and ask, can you help with this or that, or you know, go to this thing or that thing, and events and so forth, and it's, oh, sure, I'm in. Yeah. Yep, I'll be on that committee. Yep, right. oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll help you with that project. Yeah, what else, you know, what else do you need? And all of a sudden, your time is gone. Yeah. It just disappears, yeah. and so... It's been difficult for me sometimes over the years to step back and say, okay, Lord, um, I'm going to give you this time and you you take care of this because right. I'm going to back off, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, so yeah, there's there's been some, some yeah. really hard times. Well, and that's, and that's we a wise all, way to deal with it. Yes, yeah. we all struggle with that. Will you put mm-hmm. a link in mm-hmm. the notes to that book? Absolutely. Because people, listeners might want to. Mm-hmm. I might want to right. <laughs> take a look at that book. Yeah. Right. Well, we thank you so much for being here. It's just been a great interview. And we well, thank you. Know you're Appreciate bit, it. We do know you're yeah. a busy person and mm-hmm. that you came all the way over here to be a part of this podcast. So the last question we always ask all of our guests is if you could ask all of our listeners, everyone in the world, to pray for one thing, what would that be? Well, this probably won't surprise you, but um, as important as some other causes are, like the unborn and 
and some of the others in our culture, you know, for older people who need help. But really my heart is, is with children, to pray for children, um, younger children especially. I feel like there's sort of a new assault on children in our culture, and and I hate to get political and all that, but it, it, it you know, you watch certain facets of our culture who, even corporations now, you know, the latest being the, the whole Disney thing down in Florida was that they're advocating that parents don't have a say-so in how their own children are taught in a school and and, and so forth. And I, I struggle with that because a lot of these initiatives coming from these types of people are, they want to do these things with children without the parents' permission. Gosh. To me, that's the key. And, and parents, as we know in the Catholic tradition, are the primary educators. And so I feel like because children possess this wonderful innocence and, and, and Christ, after all, says we all need to be like children, yeah. right? Because of such are the kingdom of heaven. Um, that Therefore, there's sort of a, a kind of a renewed sort of assault or attack on these, these young children from different you know, perspectives and places. But uh, so I, I, that's my kind of my favorite person, you know, people, yeah. group of people to, to pray for because I, they have this wonderful innocence and we want them to hang on to that as long as they can. Yes, they'll, they'll all grow up someday and face all the challenges of our world. Sure. But, but it's, it's so important for their social, emotional, and spiritual development to maintain that innocence and have a childhood and be happy and a little carefree and, and then to learn in all the different ways, not just in school, but out in the woods yeah. and around the home and with their families. And so, yes, I'm, I'm always praying uh, for children. For children. Oh, and they are very vulnerable. They are. So, but thank you for educating mm-hmm. them and shepherding them and protecting oh. them and, and all the, yeah. the structures that any diocese needs to make that happen. So for shepherding oh, well, all the principals and teachers and supporting all that, mm-hmm. especially in a couple crazy years. Well, thank you. It's, it's a labor of love. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm just blessed to be around so many wonderful people. Here well, I wish you the most straightforward year. <laughs> Next year, thank you've you. earned it. Yeah. That's something to pray for I, right there. I, 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 hope, <laughs> I hope you're bored. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be wonderful. That would be nice. So, well, uh, thank you again. Would you lead us in a glory be? I'd be pleased to. <laughs> Name the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as, as it was, was in the beginning, is, is now, and ever shall, shall be, world, world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.